0: Grace to you and peace from the Lord God, the triune God, the Almighty. Amen. To start today's message, I was originally, this is my first idea for an introduction, was going to read to you the longest regal title that I could find. You know what I'm talking about? Kings and queens, they all have those very long official titles that name all of the the territories the nations the the principalities that are under their control and all of the honorifics that they have and as i was looking for the longest one that i could find i found that that belonged to the ottoman emperors from their imperial height that would have been around the 1600s but this title was enormous i was over 200 words long And that's more than a tenth, more than 10% of the length that I try and keep my sermons at when I'm writing these. I just didn't want to spend all that time this morning actually reading that to you. I'm just going to get right into a more important title, a title that really matters. This is from our text Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead the ruler of the kings of the earth. Our text is from the beginning of the book of Revelation, and this title sets up the whole rest of the book of Revelation for us. And if you know Revelation at all, and I won't put you on the spot or anything, Sharon, by asking you to come up with something that you remember from it, but I've heard that the first Bible study we were doing here at Grace of God when you joined was on Revelation. Yeah, yeah. If you know Revelation at all, if you know a little something, even the reputation of that book, you know that it's often regarded as this uh, frightening book, right? Maybe even, at the very least, an intimidating book. It's this book that's got all these pictures of, in this prophetic description, world history from when John wrote it, to now, to the end of time, off into eternity. All these pictures of dragons and beasts and riders on horses and angels with swords. But this title for Jesus sets all of that into the proper context, the right light. Jesus Christ, the firstborn from the dead, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Right. When we read that title for Jesus, our king at the book of Revelation, we can know this, that there is nothing that that book describes That we need to be afraid of warned about maybe things to ponder certainly but for us who belong to this king for us who have got had god's name put on us in baptism there is nothing that the book of revelation describes from now into the future into eternity for us to fear those ottoman emperors but their title, 200 plus words long. Jesus' title here is only 17 words long. It's actually only 15 words if you go to the Greek. And yet, this title that Jesus has here, it's so much more impressive, so much weightier. On this Christ the King Sunday, let's ponder what these titles of our King, this threefold title, tells us about Jesus. The first of those titles, the faithful witness. Now, that title, as we think about the book of Revelation, reminds us that what follows it in Revelation, everything through to chapter 22, that's all true. It's faithful. Jesus is our faithful witness, and what he's describing is indeed world history in the rest of that book. Now, he's doing so figuratively, right, with symbols that we have to treat symbolically. Nonetheless, this title, Faithful Witness, reminds us that Jesus is telling the truth when he describes the future in Revelation. But I don't know that the central theme the central message of his description of the future in revelation is what people tend to think of when they think of revelation again maybe we think of wars and disasters and plagues but the central message of the book of revelation as you read it all the way through and get to the end is this jesus wins and not in some kind of special effects hollywood bonanza like the left behind movies or something like that no The war Revelation describes throughout is the war that we are fighting uh, in the sanctuary right now. The war that the church has always fought as Jesus with his holy word, the sword of the spirit comes to each one of us and strikes down the sinful nature that lives in each of us by nature. That's the fight that Revelation describes. The fight the church has always been fighting, the fight against our own sin, fought by Jesus, armed with the word of God. This is the fight that Jesus, throughout the book of Revelation, through the pen of John, tells us he's going to win, and we can trust that because we know that he's the faithful witness. He's the faithful witness not only of all those future events, but he's the faithful witness of the present, of right now. That's what Jesus tells Pilate in our gospel reading. He tells Pilate that he is... Truthful, that he is the one who tells people what the situation really is. He says, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth, to be the faithful witness. What is the truth to which Jesus was born to testify? The truth that we are born not as his subjects, not belonging to his kingdom. The truth that we all humans are born belonging to the kingdom of Satan, hell bent on heading back to hell, bent on rejecting God, rejecting his rule over us. That's the truth to which Jesus testified with his teaching, his preaching, but not just that. Jesus was born, Jesus came into this world, Jesus was the faithful witness testifying to this truth also, that God was not satisfied with that status quo. Jesus was born to testify to this truth, that God is love, as John says in another of his letters, that our God is a gracious and forgiving father. Jesus was born to testify to the truth that God is our father, the giver of all good gifts, the one in whom we live and move and have our being, as Paul says. And our gracious father sent his son into our world to witness about that truth to us. How did Jesus witness that truth about God to us? The Greek word for witness here, as we describe Jesus as the faithful witness, is martyreo. You hear the word martyr in there in English. That's where we get the word from. The Greek word witness, originally, simply, martyr meant someone who testifies to something. It was the term for someone who gave testimony in court. We only have this English word martyr with its meaning of someone who dies for a cause because of Jesus because of this heritage that comes into English through the Bible, through Christianity. We only have this word martyr that means someone who dies because we had the original martyr, the original witness who testified to God's love all the way to a cross. Jesus is the faithful martyr, the faithful witness, showing us how truly, how totally in trouble we were and how truly, how totally God had committed himself to solving that problem. Jesus testified to that truth all the way to his cross and then out of his tomb. That takes us to the second of these titles that Jesus has this morning firstborn from the dead. This is another truth which the scriptures faithfully teach us, another truth which Jesus testified to in his life, his preaching, his ministry. We need salvation. We need salvation from God because we are all going to die. Today, the church year that we're in right now ends. And in about six weeks, the calendar year is ending. And each one of us moves a little closer to that day when God is going to call individually each of our souls out of our bodies. It is profitable for Christians to frankly consider the reality of their death. It is profitable for Christians to frankly consider this life and its impermanence. That's the theme of the entire book of Ecclesiastes. There's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to teaching us this. It is profitable for us to look at this life in terms of its impermanence. But Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. That changes our perspective on this impermanent life. It's not a life that leaves us with worry and angst and confusion because of its impermanence. Instead, we're filled with hope and joy and peace knowing that this life is impermanent because we know that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. That word firstborn is a promise to us. He's the first, he will not be the last. Jesus faithfully witnessed through all his teaching and preaching to us our need for salvation. And by his cross, he provided that. By his resurrection, he guaranteed it. Jesus, our king, the firstborn from the dead, assures us that whatever may happen to us in this life, eternal life is ours. And remember, this is the faithful witness talking. He's never lied about anything before. He's not going to start now. The last of Jesus, three honorifics here in his title, ruler of the kings of the earth. There's a very basic Christian biblical teaching being expressed here, the sovereignty of God. God rules over all things. Verse eight of our reading applies the word almighty to Jesus as well. He's the one who has power over all things because he created all things. Even those Ottoman emperors with all their titles, with their 200 word long titles, with all the principalities and territories and powers under their control. Jesus is simply the ruler of the kings of the earth. Their titles mean nothing in comparison to this title of Christ their creator. Even they were subject to him. Throughout the Bible, that teaching is used to comfort us, this teaching of God's sovereignty. God's power over all creation is not something that he uses to enrich himself as if he could be enriched in any way something which he uses to his own benefit as if god could benefit from anything no instead god in the bible teaches us that his sovereignty is something used to your benefit paul in ephesians 1:22 tells us this god placed all things under his son's feet and appointed jesus to be head over everything for the church jesus position as King of kings, Lord of lords, ruler over the kings of the earth. His total sovereignty over creation is executed to your benefit. Jesus is always thinking about his constituents, right? If we think of him maybe in the terms that modern politicians use, he's always thinking about his constituents as he exercises his governing power, and you are his constituents. You are the citizens that Jesus represents at his seat in heaven's throne room. Our reading says that he freed you from your sins by his blood and made you to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and father. You belong no longer to the kingdom of Satan. You belong to Jesus. You are citizens of heaven's kingdom. His name put on you in your baptism. You are the ones Jesus represents in heaven's throne room. You are the ones whose needs he is ever looking to address. doesn't always seem that way, does it? We recognize that to be true by faith only and not by sight. It doesn't often look for us in this life as if we were citizens and constituents being represented by the almighty God. Because Jesus' kingdom, as he says to Pilate, is not of this world. And while we live in this world, Jesus, our king, often seems from the outside to be absent. We're faced with all kinds of difficulties in this life. Illness strikes. Supply chains snarl up, wreck our businesses, wreck our plans. Storms destroy homes. And we're tempted to say, are you really the almighty God in charge of all these things? Couldn't you be doing a better job, God? Than you're doing right now. The fundamental human temptation behind all sin is the thought that we know better than God, the thought that we could do a better job than God if we were the ones in charge. The sinful nature scoffs at Jesus' position as King of Kings, ruler of the universe, because the sinful nature, our sinful nature, right? Not, not. The sinful nature of everyone else, but we struggle with this temptation to think that we want to see the evidence we want to see of God's blessings. The sinful nature tempts us to demand that God show us the evidence of His love, His power, His blessings in our lives, on our timetables, according to the metrics we want to use in the timeline that we want to see them. The sinful nature wants to reject. This king who came to die, this king who carries a cross and tells us that we're going to do so also, the sinful nature rejects everything that we're celebrating today as we celebrate our king, the lamb who was slain. But while the sinful nature can question all of the other ways that God is working in our lives, in the world, can ask why he would do this or that or the other thing, The sinful nature can't question the resurrection. When you are tempted by your sinful nature to whine, to balk at God's ways, shove the resurrection in its face, friends. When the sinful nature tempts us to rebel, to doubt, that God is really in charge, that he's really interested in what's best for us when it's tempting us to question God's rule, tell it to consider death. This is why considering our death is profitable for Christians, because the sinful nature has no reply to death. The sinful nature can question all at once the way that God seems to be working in the world, can offer all its suggestions and its preferences, when you confront it with the reality of death, the sinful nature falls silent because it does not have an answer to that. But we can look at death and rejoice. We can look at death and rejoice because we know that Christ is the faithful witness, that he's telling the truth when he tells us that he is the firstborn, the first and not the last from among the dead. We know that the resurrection of Jesus is the turning point of world history. It's a historical fact that you simply cannot explain away. This is the gospel, this promise from God. And this promise is what creates faith. The gospel creates the faith that allows us to look out into the world and see in it, despite all its sadness, the hand of God descending down into our sin-caused darkness To rescue and restore. By that gospel created faith and not by sight, we see that Christ our King is seated in heaven, working at every moment for us, for our benefit. By faith and not by sight, we know that nothing will be able to separate us from God's love. By faith and not by sight, we are sure and certain that despite all the difficulties, all the trials, all the occasional profound confusion that this life throws at us. This is not the end. Our citizenship is in heaven, and Jesus, your King, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, is coming to take you home. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen.